Time again, guys, for another guys, gals, non-binary pals, I should say, uh, for another scaring is sharing. That's right. You've reached a podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. Isn't that nice? Oh, my God, that's so nice. Do you know, I thought if you were a big musical theater queen, we could have had a podcast called The Best Little Horror House in Texas. TM, TM. <laughs> <laughs> we could still do it. Or maybe. in Michigan, maybe. <laughs> maybe that'll be like a stage show or something we put together of the uh, of the podcast. I like it. Yeah, but uh, instead you are straight, and I appreciate that. I I love my straight allies, which you are one of, and you are Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. And I'd like to say I still like musicals. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Uh, And you are Brandy Joe, the flaming scream queen plan back. That is correct. Jeremy, Jeremy, we have a new like mega listener, but it's another one of those weird ones where I don't understand how it's happening. But yeah. they're in Boardman, Oregon. So whoever might be in Boardman, Oregon, playing us on a loop, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I wonder these things too. I'm like, are you? Is it a bot <laughs> that's just like for some reason playing our show? But you know, um, there are definitely like there have been people who've reached out to me on Instagram, like businesses, like oh. you know, th- that are like, oh, pay us a hundred dollars and we'll get you hundreds of thousands of downloads. And I'm like, I want these things to be natural. I don't care if they're lower mm-hmm. numbers. As we've said before, I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. Thank you, yeah. Tyler Show. Speaking of musicals. And so like I would never do that, but like when this happens, that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. Or, or like yeah. but we've not done that. So I, I, I don't understand, but yeah. we welcome you with open arms, like Freddy Krueger. And I ran on street one in the alley. Mm-hmm. Those arms. Shh, those arms. Very big. Very scary. <laughs> or you are all my children now. <laughs> very big. Very scary. Yep. 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 And speaking of Nightmare on Elm Street, have you heard about Mark Patton? Like he's not doing well. I saw that. But I like, follow, the, yeah, the I, GoFundMe, the Scream Queen doc. Yeah. 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 I, well, I follow his uh, uh, social media. So uh, yep. it's, it's, yeah. And I saw that it's HIV related illness. Is. So. He's not doing well, but they have a GoFundMe up. And it's, I think that the goal was 18000 and it's like over $30,000 now. So, yeah, so I hope he's getting the, the care around. he's looking for. I saw that, I, I guess he lives in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he needed uh, to, uh, get to a uh, there's a hospital I guess that specializes in treating American expats down there and that's where he uh, uh, was hoping to get into so yeah so if you want to donate um, I think Scream Queen Doc I think is the name of it on Instagram if you look for it and um, they have a it in their link tree on how to do that and all of our love sent out to Mark Patton we love him icon icon indeed did you hear about John Lark Laroquet? Um, why am I like John Laroquet? Laroquet. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Confirming a story that's been out there forever. I'd I've never it. heard that story. I've heard that story before. Being a giant Texas Chainsaw fan, so um, tell the people who may not know. So a, John- who he is and what he has to do yeah. with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hey, uh, John Laroquet. That uh, I'm sure we might have some listeners that are too young. <laughs> 
perhaps to even remember who he is of night court fame he was probably an actor your parents loved and thought was hilarious but mostly a comedic actor on television um but for horror fans he's important because he was the narration of the original texas chainsaw massacre in the beginning when he says you know this is the story of the uh, misfortune that befell you know four teens uh that's john larroquette did that narration uh and then he continued to do it like he's been a part of the texas chainsaw franchise for a long time because he's come back for both of the remakes he did the uh the, the platinum dunes movies he did the narration uh he did it was he in the newest one on netflix i think he had i don't some, know i think he had an audio clip in there somewhere um but i know he's done at least th- those three maybe another one um But anyway, at the time, the story goes, you know, the original Texas Chainsaw was just a little indie flick being made in Texas by Texans, uh, however they could, down and dirty, as quick as they could get it done. Uh, And John Lauriquette is an actor from Texas that didn't have much going on at the time. And somehow he got hooked up with them. And they're like, you want to think he was a stage actor. And they're like, you want to come in and uh, do this narration for us. But they didn't pay him in money. Uh, the story I'd always heard was they gave him a case of beer and a joint uh, during the session, and that was his payment. So he got to party with them, do the recording, and then take off from the studio. And that story has been around forever. Now in the news, somebody must have asked him because he has confirmed. John Lorick had himself said, yep, they gave me some weed. Uh, they were just a bunch of crazy hippies, and it was a fun time. So That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people shit on the Texas Chainsaw uh reboot this past year yeah the newest Um, one yeah and i mean i do not think it's a good film and i don't know if it's just coming off of the string of really horrible sequels since the original platinum dooms dunes remake Mm because i think they're all not good but i thought it was fun and i did not think it was great by any means there's lots of plot things that i could just do without and that i was not crazy about but i thought it was kind of trashy a good time yeah, and I've rewatched it since again. Like what this past Halloween, I watched it uh, an additional time, uh, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm having more fun the more I watch this. Like it's not <laughs> high art, it's not a good movie, but it delivers a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, and it's like, what are you watching this thing for? Unless it's for gratuitous violence, you know, <laughs> senseless violence and craziness, which it delivered. So it's like, cool, mission accomplished. Um, you know, much more than say. Uh, what was the one before that? Leatherface? That oh horrible God. prequel that got way yeah. too up its own butt trying to be like, we got to explain the origin and the motivations of all these characters. I'm like, don't care. They're yeah. a maniac. That's all I need to know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I had read a thing, too, where they're sort of uncertain about the future again, because apparently that Netflix one, I remember when it was locked and loaded and coming out, they're like, we got an idea for a sequel. So this will come out and then we'll get to work on the sequel. But it landed with such, you know, mediocre reception that apparently now they're questioning what's going to happen next with it. So I don't know. Yeah, definitely interesting. Oh, did you do anything for Friday the 13th? Did I do anything for Friday the 13th? Yeah. Did you watch your movies? (laughs) I didn't. Oh, my God. In a weird move. Instead, uh, (laughs) my wife and I watched the movie Face Off with John Travolta and Nick Cage because we had recently had a conversation where we're like, oh yeah, they're making a sequel to that with uh, apparently Adam Wingard is yes. directing it. Yeah. Yes. So 
And she's like, I've never seen the original. I'm like, I'm not sure I've ever seen it all the way through. Like, I remember it being this action movie everyone was obsessed with when I was a kid. So, and we watched it and good God, is it like, talk about not a good movie, but highly entertaining. It's so wild. I can't believe it exists. I can't believe a big studio made that movie, but it is insane. Yeah, I was an intern the um, summer after my senior year of high school in Washington, D.C., and I went to go see that by myself, and the theater was packed, and it was the first time ever, and I've only had a couple of these experiences, but one of the first times ever I was in the movie, and people were like yelling back at the screen and Mm -hmm. cheering and stuff, and I was like, what is happening? A little (laughs) Wyoming boy Uh in this full city theater with people just interacting with the movie. It was like an experience (laughs) like no fucking other. That was fun. It yeah. was fun. So that's what I did. I'm that guy now, though. I was feeling a bit like, man, they ruined my Friday the 13th holiday. It's too commercialized because everyone on the internet, like I saw some horror memes making fun of the like, oh, now that it's Friday the 13th, you're all posting. Tell me about how big a fan of the series you are today. Like, you know, that sort of stuff. So I don't remember if I sent you this, but I received in the mail from Amazon, and it was supposed to come on Saturday, but it came on Friday the 13th, Sackhead, the definitive Friday the 13th Part 2 retrospective. Cool. I know. Is that a a book? book. It's a book? Very cool. And I'm going to read the fuck out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I've never delved into those. I I know there's a lot of these great books out there uh, that I really should start collecting because, you know, there's like Crystal Lake Memories, the companion book to that movie. Um, I, I know there's have that. Yeah, there's a ser- there's a series. I, there's at least two of them now that are about like mm-hmm. uh, the Halloween series that are the mm-hmm. unmade sequels of yes. the, like the history of all the sequels that those are on Audible. They're like 20 hours long. Yeah, I want to read those. Like, there's a lot of these. I really need to uh, bone up on my uh, slasher uh, retrospective books. Yes. And furthermore, Friday 13th, did you hear some of the news about Crystal Lake? Mm -mm. So Kevin Williamson is going to be writing an episode. And Adrian King is going to have a recurring role. Mm. I know. I think this was what just some festival happened like last week. Okay. Yeah. Is it South by Southwest? Maybe. Or Fantastic Fest or some sort of. It might have been South by Southwest because there's a sequel to that movie, Becky. Did you ever see Becky? I didn't. Uh, I heard mixed things about that one. Yeah, I didn't love it. It was fun. I love Lulu, the girl who's the lead in it, but I didn't love the movie. But yeah, we're we're getting Becky's Revenge or whatever it's called. Yeah. So I'm definitely excited about the sequel. Uh, Yeah. That's. um, I don't know. That's I'm I'm about new franchises. I get excited for like, yeah, create new horror franchises. That's just fun to see it again. Yeah, for sure. And my friend Andrew Lark commented on our my Facebook post about um, our last week's episode. And he said, I'd love to see a Megan versus Chucky movie. I hope you discuss who you think would win in this battle of diabolical dolls. Well, guess what? We're doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> and 100% Chucky would win. Oh, Chucky. Yeah, I think so. Because... I don't know. Chucky's got, you know, the whole black magic thing, like, and he seems to just be unstoppable, you know, regardless of like, in the original like movies, they set up rules where he had to do this, this and this or else, you know, he's done for, but they blew past those and they've just rewritten his rules and he gets new powers all the time. So I think Chucky's more versatile. 
A hundred fucking percent. He totally would win for sure. Yeah. I, uh, he could he could put his spirit inside like a robot body, <laughs> like say Bruce, uh, and you know it's all over for Megan. I know, Megan. and Megan. I think that it's coming in number two again this weekend, but because Avatar is just you know not stopping. It's crazy though. I heard Avatar has to make like three billion dollars to recoup the costs. Whoa. Which is just fucking insane. It's so it's like, much. How can a movie cost that much? I know. <laughs> and I'm still like, I'm I'm one of those weirdos that's like the original Avatar was okay. I never I, saw it. I was I, I was always like, when there's a sequel, because they had said from so long ago there was going to be. I'm yeah. like, when they re-release the first one, as they will, I'll go see it in the theater because I heard you had to see it in 3D. Mm-hmm. And um and I didn't. It came out and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So oh, well. fuck it. But yeah, I thought it was it's an okay movie. Um and uh but I don't know how I'm like that's the biggest thing ever and James Cameron. I this is it's funny you mentioned this cuz I have a little aside. I had a theory about, you know, James Cameron, he's a good director, not the greatest, but it's like I I feel like the fact that he had that lightning in a bottle moment where he directed Titanic, Titanic became like the top grossing movie of all time. Uh-huh. I think forevermore people will be like well, he's got to be like he made the most money making movie of all time. That must mean he's the best director ever. Like, I feel like that's kind of the general public, you know, mm. view about his work now. So whenever James Cameron's name's attached to something, uh, people will be like, well, we better see it because, you know, he's like so great. So I think that's sort of how that's happened. Mm. Gross. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, somebody somebody. Do you have a theory? Because I, I haven't figured it out like You'd think it'd be like a Spielberg movie or, you know, something like that would be the, and they were at one point, but yeah, James Cameron for a guy that doesn't work all that often either. Like he's got years in between movies he's directed. Like it's cause he's working on the next one. Yeah. Cause he's working on avatar for the last 10 years. <laughs> like, but you'd think that, you know, he'd slip from public eye for that long. Usually you can't not work for that, that length of time yeah. and stay relevant. So I guess I don't, I don't know. have much of an opinion on the whole. Yeah. James he's Cameron. got, he just figured it out. He cracked the code somehow. He did. Or he yeah. signed a deal with the devil. Maybe he did. Maybe How that's you, a- Okay. I heard about the devil's toy box this week. Do you know about this sort of urban legend? Mm-mm. So it's supposedly, I think, what, like, the Lamenters mm. box? What the fuck is it called? Is that right? La, La Macand box. Okay. Or, the, or the lament configuration. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, there's another term. Um, supposedly, it's like this, like sort of based on the same principle. Mm-hmm. They say if you are totally encompassed in like mirrors, mm-hmm. that you will see the, the devil will come to you or something. Mm-hmm. And so they made this thing called the devil's toy box, supposedly, in Louisiana back in like 2014. And this guy made this like box where it was mirrors on either side of you, above you, below you, all around you. Encased mirrors, and, okay. Encased, yes. And you would go in, and supposedly people could not, like the longest someone was in was like for four minutes. And they would have like timers outside, like one saying like, here's the longest someone has been in here, and then another timer for whoever would go in. And like the longest someone supposedly could stay, and it was like four minutes, and then that guy came out and went crazy and like ended up like institutionalized Uh Um, but it's so fascinating like i'm like really like i feel like i would get kind of bored 
in a mm-hmm. box of mirrors. I think so. But like, but I'm also like, it's something I'm so curious about. Like, I'm like, I want to sit in a box of mirrors. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole, although I really just think it's all just urban legend that someone started. Creepy pasta. A creepy pasta, but the Devil's Toy Box in Louisiana. Louisiana. Mm. So I'm intrigued, and I just wondered if you'd heard of it. Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look into that. It's funny too because I am re- currently reading the Hellbound Heart. Right. And it's just novel. a novella, right? Yeah. Is it like yeah, 100 it's, pages? It's, yeah, it's a quick read. I just and read. Is Christy you know? in it? I can't remember. I feel like Christy. Christy is in it, except okay. in the novel, she's uh, not the daughter. She's a friend of the husband. Okay. And so that was a change they made for the movie. But yeah, and she's she's like spying on Julia because she thinks Julia's having an affair. Uh, okay. running around it, which she is with a dead guy in the attic, but you know, that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's read some terrograms. Let's get to it. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I will. And this one goes, Hey guys, I'm still traumatized over your comments. A few episodes back, you were talking about how much your podcast downloads varied from episode to episode. Oh, the horror. I literally stopped my run and said out loud, what the actual heck? You mean there are fans who don't listen to every episode? Thank you for mentioning the Overlook Film Festival. I was not familiar with it, but I'm making plans to go check it out. So exciting. I'm ecstatic that you both enjoyed Megan. I went in expecting to be disappointed. Boy, was I surprised. Like the both of you, I also gave it four stars. What a great start to 2023. Till next time, my friends. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Stay you. Love to you both. Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Teacher Drew. Thank you. Teacher Drew. He's a solid, you know? He's yes. like a I, real pal. If, yeah. Yeah. I'm and, glad oh my God. you listen to every episode, Teacher Yes. Drew. Thank you, Teacher Drew. And you know, it's fine if someone drops by and just listens to one and yeah. one and done. That's, some, you know? that's how it is sometimes. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully we can have you coming back. That's what yeah. we want. Come yeah. back and do it again uh, sometime. And yeah, let's all go to the Overlook Film Festival, please. And thank yeah. you. That'd be amazing. That would be so amazing. I really want to check it out. And yeah, Megan, I thought was great. I do. There is, you know, a little bit of um, discord. Discord? That means like some some for and some against, right? Yep. Some um, chaos. Some, some chaos. Disagreement. Yeah. Yep. Because, of course, in my gay horror group on Facebook, like some people are just like all about it, like we we talked about. Mm-hmm. And there are other people. Someone said, I think the menu is a better campy movie than Megan. I'm like, I don't think the menu is campy. I definitely think Megan is campy. And I didn't mention that word in our last episode, but it definitely is. There's a, mm-hmm. oh, there's a, a level camp of factor camp. in there, which is uh, which is fun. But it's not it doesn't like fully commit to anything, which I'm also OK with. It's a little of this and a little of that. And Which I, just, I like because I, yeah. I did. I, I did recently watch the menu finally. And oh, you did! I was not nearly as impressed as like the rest of the internet seemed to be. So yeah, yeah. I didn't well think it was made, right. Yeah, well made, well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ray Fiennes is uh. always fantastic, and, and, and Nicholas Holt is also becoming an actor that I'm oh paying God. attention. Everyone's to. talking about him like all of a sudden. Like yeah, it seems to be everyone's yapping about nicholas holt but at the end of the day the movie was sort of like i didn't think it was that camp i just thought it was too self-serious yeah it's definitely well i don't want to say much about it just since it's this part of the episode but yeah. it did not go where i expected it to go which is not a bad thing mm-hmm. but um also yeah yeah uh, that's all i'm gonna say about that <laughs> 
Yeah. It's just one of those movies where I'm like, what it's trying to say seems weird coming out of the multi-million dollar Hollywood machine that produced it, mm-hmm. which always feels sort of like, all right, y'all, yeah. y'all are trying to have it both ways. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So that was, that's what left me cold. I, I was being cynical and thinking too hard about it. Especially when it's, I saw like Will Ferrell was a producer on it. Oh, yeah. And stuff. And I was like, oh, a lot of rich Hollywood people made this and they're trying to tell me <laughs> the non-rich person, you know, whatever. It's definitely well made, though, and well yeah. worth a watch. Like, I mean, it is because you may love it. You may feel kind of mad about it. You may hate it. But mm-hmm. like, it's it's a well made film with some fun twists and turns. Yeah. And some cool sequences, I'll for give it that. sure. But I was, yeah, I was sort of let down because I, I had read so much that blew it up as like, it's so great. And then I watched it and I'm like, what am I not seeing that all these people were like yeah. really hooked by? I don't know. So that's personal taste for you. All right. Well, I have a telegram from a friend of the podcast, Lauren, who wrote in, and this is in response to last week, her telegram, And she said, Sorry about killing your soul with Grim Cuddy. As I said before, I have developed the superhuman ability to emotionally shrug off bad movies. It's a pleasant side effect of my compartmentalization defense mechanism. And then she sent a little picture of um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yao when she won at the Golden Globes this past week. And mm-hmm. have you seen that picture where Jamie Lee Curtis is just screaming? Losing it, yeah. Losing it. And yeah. like the image she sent has something like, ladies, this is the vibe for 2023. Like, feel for your friends as strongly as Jamie Lee Curtis feels for Michelle Yao. And um, Lauren writes that, that the role in everything everywhere all at once was initially written with Jackie Chan in mind. He Mm -hmm. passed on it due to scheduling conflicts and they eventually realized that the rewrite that rewriting the part for Michelle Yao was a better story. And I love that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I had, I had heard that uh, early in where, yeah, they wanted to uh, get Jackie Chan in there. Uh, Maybe you mentioned that, like, as we're talking about now, I'm like, maybe you had mentioned it. I don't know, but as, as like a big thing, you know, for him, you know, as a, Fun riff on his career, you know, as an action star, as a martial arts action star. But yeah, then the rewrites happened and they went in an amazing direction. So, yeah, I'm glad that film, as much as I was sort of like, oh, it's okay, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that it's getting as much response as it has in in regards to the award season. But that's me like saying like, oh, awards are important. And I guess I just like for good things to be recognized. But I don't think it's like make something or break something if it is or isn't nominated. I just like um, I like a little recognition. OK. Yeah. And uh, Kihi Kwan's acceptance uh, speech at the Golden Globes. Man, I didn't how, listen. How powerful was that? Like he went up there and he gave the super emotional speech oh, about, check it out. yeah, about, you know, feeling like he had peaked as a child actor. And oh. now that, he, yeah, now that he's back, like it, it's, it'll get you. It'll get you. It was really powerful. Oh my God. It was so fun to see him in that movie. Yeah. Like he was, he was just so, so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, thanks for writing in, friends. And if you, dear listener, want to write in, scaringissharing at gmail.com or follow us on Insta, scaring is sharing. Any other news or views, Jeremy? I don't know. Let's take a look. I feel like feel like there's something to talk about. I tried watching The Sender last night from the 80s. Do you know this film? This no. Like I can like throw his dreams or something. Weird. 
I remember the VHS box uh, very vividly as a kid, which I know is like a, a theme of mine. But mm-hmm. it has this sort of like red face with this guy's eyes closed. And then like above him are sort of like the eyes floating like up. It's like a really cool poster. Hmm. But I started watching it and I fell asleep. So. Oh, no. Yeah. I was. Uh, that's what it was. I had come across this YouTube video um, where I don't know some rabbit hole. I was on social media and I was reading an article that talked about it mentioned the thing, the prequel from okay. 2011. Uh-huh. And I was reading up on that again, where I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like they had shot that thing, that version of the thing with practical effects. And then in post-production, the producers were like, no, kids want to see CGI. So they replaced everything with CGI. So I went down this rabbit hole of mm. uh the most demanded director cuts in horror and that's one of them because they com- they originally completed that movie with the practical effects in place and then had to reshoot things and replace it all with cgi effects so uh in that same video they of course talked about event horizon how people really want the the full gore cut and paul ws anderson himself has said that yeah if i could cut back in like somewhere between 10 to 20 minutes of movie, it would probably greatly improve the narrative uh, of that movie by getting back in some character like story that got cut Mm -hmm. out and uh, more explanation about what was actually going on that fleshed out their little universe. Um, But of course they talked about how apparently like 10 years ago, somebody found a VHS that was the original cut and it seems to have just vanished (laughs) again. So there's that one. But then uh, what I thought was really interesting was I had forgot about the movie Cursed, the werewolf yes, movie Wes Craven Ricci. did, which, you know, that movie sucks. Yeah. Like, just flat out. But apparently there is like a virtually completed version uh, of Wes Craven's original uh, story, uh, which I didn't realize how drastically they altered that because the guy in the video is talking about how like the original storyline was about Christina Ricci and Jesse Eisenberg who in the final, the version of the movie we know, they're siblings, but in the original version, they're actually just strangers that get thrown together in this werewolf story. And there was a third main character played by Skeet Ulrich, who filmed most of his stuff. They cut him entirely out of the movie. And they apparently did that a lot. Like Heather Langenkamp had a role. Uh, He got cut. Like there's all these actors that were in it. Robert Forster was in it. He got cut. Like that's insane. I'm like, how could you butcher a movie that bad? Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't really remember that movie at all. I just remember it was bad. Yeah, that's all I remember too. It was bad and silly. And but yep. apparently Wes Craven's original vision, everyone that had seen any of that footage is like, oh, this would have been a million times better. Would have been a fun, like sort of like Scream was a twist on the slasher. Uh mm-hmm. Cursed was written by Kevin Williamson and had okay. Wes Craven in charge of it. And it was supposed to be a reinvention of the werewolf genre, but we didn't get that in the last. Nope. At last, people are still demanding it to this day, but I just thought that was an interesting uh, little story that I forgot about. So maybe one day we'll see the director's cut of uh, Cursed be completed. It also feels like people could easily just be saying that, though, because they could. people are like the movies are so hated that they're just like, but you guys, there mm-hmm. was this other version and it was really good. Yeah, I, I feel like everyone jumps to that, too, where there is an alternate version of a movie and they're like, and that version would have been genius. And you're like, you don't know that. Like, it could have been OK. It probably was better than what we got, but it necessarily wasn't a masterpiece. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I, I've said this before too with like obscure movies that like like Fright Night Part Two, where everyone's like, "Oh, it's this lost masterpiece," which you know I have seen it, and I'm like, I don't think it's as good as they think it was. I think it's just mm-hmm. rarity makes people or scarcity makes people think it's better than it is when it's not like super available. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, shall we get to our shares? <laughs> I guess we should. You give it to me first. I go first this time. Real quick, if you haven't listened, I should have given this spiel at the beginning. But Jeremy and I, um, the whole podcast is about assigning the other person, or rather sharing with the other person, a scary movie they've not seen before. We do that right now. And then we go away, we watch the movies, we come back, and we give our thoughts. That's that's it. So you share with me first. Yeah, um, this is rough because I've like thought of a million movies and I haven't landed on one yet uh, what I was going to give you. So I'll just say what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, Last thing I thought of was uh, I guess I'm keeping it old this month in January. We're going back in time again to. And I wanted to cover this because I saw I somehow had forgot about this. There's a new version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde coming out. Okay. With Eddie Izzard. Oh, playing Dr. Nina Jekyll. Uh, and it's being produced mm. by Hammer. Interesting. I don't think we've discussed that one at all. And I'm fascinated to see that. But yeah, I am giving you uh, the 1931 version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with okay. Frederick March in the lead. So I wanted okay. to give you all that information. So you find the correct one because Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's been done a million times. So. All right. Well, I mean, I know the story well. So, you know, the doctor who has this formula that turns him into a monster version of himself and goes out and hurts people when he is Mr. Hyde. And I'm excited to watch it because I, I haven't. I don't, I've seen Mary Riley. I read that book, which was a great book, and the movie was horrible. Hmm. But I definitely know the story and a little bit of the musical. But yeah. So cool. I'm going to check it out. It's been a minute since I've watched it, it myself because I uh, I think it's uh, a, it's a little more obscure, you know? Okay. Well, I'm giving you an, a spanking brand new movie. Cool. I know, because that's what I want to do. And it is released on Friday the 13th. Sick. Sick. Cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do I know about this? I know it's a spin on the slasher genre. I think I saw, I just recently saw a poster for it. <laughs> that was, what did it say? It said like, if you're going to scream, cover your mouth or something like that. <laughs> so I know it's some kind of spin on the slasher movie, but with some sort of sickness, like spin on it, which I think is born of our COVID era we live in. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure too much what this will be about, but it'll be some sort of murder and mayhem, but with some sort of virus, illness, sickness, uh, body horror element thrown onto it so yeah i'm excited to rewatch it and i'm excited to talk about it cool yeah all right well listeners if you want to go watch them too go do it right now and um if you're need help finding them just reach out and let us know um although <laughs> at this point whatever we're about to go away and watch them and we're going to talk about it okay we'll be back Blame the movies movies don't create psychos movies make psychos more creative Okay, uh, this is where we talk about the movies. 
That's right. So first up, we have yours. And then if you just want to skip ahead of the second, then look in the notes and go to it. But stick around, okay? Yeah, yeah, stick around. Listen to all of it, we hope. Yeah. So first up, we are talking about, of course, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from 1931. Uh, The tagline is, put yourself in her place, the dreaded night when her lover became a madman. That's... That sounds like a bit much, but it's fun. (laughs) And the description is, Dr. Henry Jekyll believes that there are two distinct sides to men, a good and an evil side. He believes that by separating the two, man can become liberated. He succeeds in his experiments with chemicals to accomplish this and transforms into Hyde to commit horrendous crimes. When he discontinues use of the drug, it is already too late. So, first of all, is... That how you're supposed to pronounce his name? So that's the thing. Yeah, this is uh, there was a silent film version of the story before this in the 20s. Um, but this is the first, of course, sound version of the story. Uh, and they used uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's preferred uh, pronunciation, which was Jekyll. That's how the author of the book wanted it to be, or that's how he said it. Um, but I believe it was then the next version of this movie that was done with Spencer Tracy in the lead in the 40s. They said Dr. Jekyll in that movie. And then that's the pronunciation that stuck forevermore in popular consciousness. But Jekyll is apparently how it's supposed to be. How interesting. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. Well, I feel like you've been, like, been holding out on me. I feel like all like the older movies you show me more recently are the better of the older movies. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yep. Because I really like this. And here's the thing. I think what I really liked about it w- were some elements that I didn't like in The Invisible Man mm. with Claude Rains. Because okay. in The Invisible Man, I didn't like that he was an asshole and both iterations like uh, there was like no one to root for is what i remember feeling like yeah 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 he just seemed like a mad scientist all the time all the time he he just got a little more murderous as the invisible man yeah and my idea of what that plot was back in the day and i think you said it's more the second one it's like someone who you know is someone thinks that is the killer or whatever and they're not and so when they go invisible they can like i don't know fix like solve the the wrongs that have been done to them or something mm-hmm. but they're a good person at heart and i just it drove me nuts in the invisible man that he was just an asshole the whole time yeah yeah and, and i, I like he, like you said too that is literally the plot of the invisible man's revenge which is that's the, so funny the sequel the next story and that's more what it is it's a guy that's trying to clear his name mm-hmm. uh using the invisible formula it's because we learn from our mistakes, okay? Yes. <laughs> but this movie is just so good. Like, I love that Jekyll, God, it's so hard to say it. I know, um, right? You don't want to say it that way, but we're going to be pretentious. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, I'm going to say it like they say it in the movie. Yeah, I feel like that's what you should do. But I, I love that as his normal, original self, however you want to coin it, that he is like a handsome man. He's loving. He's good. He is kind. He's all of these things, which helps with the juxtaposition of when he becomes Hyde. Yeah, which is, you know, of course, Hyde is the pure id idea of, you know, he's just all your worst impulses with no control. Yeah. I also think, and I know we talked about a little bit with with the Wolfman and with some of these older movies, how they're sort of can be looked at as like metaphors for things like 
Mm -hmm. alcoholism, addiction, whatever, even sometimes like homosexuality, like there are these two parts of you. Yeah. Granted, less I look at it, at least I don't like to look at it as like homosexuality because it's really like, here's my normal self and here's my evil self. (laughs) Sure. But I could understand how someone may have written it with that in mind, thinking back in the day in particular. Oh, definitely. That homosexuality was wrong. But here it's so easy to look at this like a parallel for or a parable or whatever the right term is. I'm so bad with that of addiction, like Mm -hmm. more so than anything else. Because he straight up uses a drug to become Hyde. So yeah. And then just like, and I mean, I think everyone knows Dr. And Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. So I'm not even going to like worry so much about spoilers, but eventually he doesn't even have to drink the formula to start turning. Yeah. It just starts happening. Yeah. Which is so crazy. Which and still feels like really part of that addiction, hundred uh, percent. Uh, yeah, parallel right there. Yeah, exactly. Like the worse it gets, that you know, just in general, the worse it is all around. So yeah, and I mean, as a person in recovery, like mm-hmm. there are times like when he's going to, you know, talk to Muriel, and he's like, I have to break things off with her. I have to, you know. I don't want to hurt her and things like that. Like a hundred percent, I've been there, done that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when I had to come clean to Joe finally about everything going on with me. Like I wasn't like, Oh, he'll stick around. Like I wasn't like, Oh, he's going to leave me either. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, but I knew that there was the possibility of losing him once I were to come clean with, you know, everything that was going on with me. And of course he's a wonderful man and a fantastic husband and he's stuck by me. And he's one of the main reasons I'm still sober today, but like watching this, old movie that's almost a hundred years old uh-huh. like all of these memories and i mean not that they're that you know they're always gonna be pre- prevalent in my mind but like i thought so much about my own struggles and my own recovery and things like that like it i couldn't help but feel that watching it and i didn't expect that even though i knew that it sort of had those implications of where the story maybe originally came from or whatever mm-hmm and th- it's shot so well. The shots in this movie, the cinematography is, is incredible. Incredible, which uh, takes it up a whole nother level from so many other things. I totally like I've seen this a few times now over the years. Like, I, I think it was a, f- a friend of mine introduced me to this movie in college. Uh, shout out to Kyle. If you're listening, you might catch up to this one. But it was what you, up, that Kyle. Went, you had seen this flick and he was like, it's really good because he read about it online being like this lost amazing classic horror movie that nobody talks about today uh and he sought it out and turned me onto it and i remember watching it and being like yeah that was particularly good and i've revisited it a couple of times over the years but this rewatch i had totally forgot all the experimental like camera work in here for the time uh, period like oh my God. opening with that extended pov shot a hundred percent like it's like fucking like halloween yeah and they keep cutting back to it way before halloween throughout yeah and there's some interesting dissolves like and one thing that struck me is the final shot of the movie sorry spoilers but the way it like pans through the room and then ends on just that like potion that's boiling in the lab and it just like feels very symbolic of everything we've just watched and then it cuts to you know black or the credits the end and And on top of it having that those really cool POV shots from Jiggle's point of view. Mm-hmm. They also do some trickery in there where he'll like look at a mirror. Yeah. And you know, given the time and everything that there's just like the actor on the other side, like it's, 
they're not doing anything with CGI. Like no one yeah. knows what a MacBook is. Yet. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like so fascinating. I was like, wow. And then there's all of these shots on top of that where the person is just speaking straight into the camera, which is almost like a POV shot, but you know that actual pov shots because it's sort of like has a vignette around yeah the yeah frame. it does as if, as if you're like looking through somebody's eye like through a telescope yeah. yeah which i didn't need but i understood especially considering so many other times there are these shots where someone's looking right in the camera and the first time where i thought it was so creepy was that little girl and she's like i can walk sir and she's uh-huh. just like keeps repeating it, and it's coming right at you and it was so scary i was sure that was going to come up again somehow yeah. because there were lots of things that were sort of motifs that kept coming Repeating. up in his mind and that mm-hmm. didn't but i thought that was the creepiest of all of them was that little girl yeah and how freaking dark this movie is for the 30s like i mean this is pre-code so the Hayes yes. code wasn't in in effect yet so like that that's a thing when this movie would play in later years uh it would have to cut out some of the material uh due mm. to censors mm-hmm. um but yeah when this came out like and just yeah exactly like trigger warning like this goes for a movie from the 30s uh there's no doubt you know sexual assault is part of the plot with Hyde like they they it's only very thinly veiled whatsoever like it's not super graphic per se as you know we would see in more modern times but like it they show enough it's all you need to know and it's mm-hmm. very heavy and dark territory they go with the hyatt character totally and especially for the time but even now it resonates because champagne ivy is like this is she a prostitute a sex worker or mm-hmm. is she just like she's like a sex worker and she also like does like burlesque or like performs yep. in like a, a bar but like he becomes hide be you know becomes fascinated with her because she sort of flirts with Jack Jekyll mm-hmm. and but then when Hyde comes into her life I mean the terror she feels in some of these old movies that sort of over the top melodramaticness is like okay yeah but like I felt it here like I was totally like wow I like she is fucking scared and it yeah. feels so true this one is intense and he feels dangerous as Hyde too like the the performance between Jekyll and Hyde, Frederick March really like this is a showcase for him to be like, look, I can be this nice guy and I can be like horribly terrifying maniac. Don't love Hyde's look. Mm-hmm. It's he a looks little... almost like a chimpanzee or something like he has an element like that. Yeah, they were going for um, more uh, what the idea of like a Neanderthal back then they had or a caveman. Okay. Well, then because, that sort of tracks. Yeah, I was reading about how they what they drew that inspiration from the, the original text, the original novel, where it's, I, I don't know how much description of Hyde is actually given in the book, but they refer to him as being primitive. Uh, and so I think they were thinking hmm. about evolutionarily, they're like, okay, so to really a- amplify that, we want him to look like a primitive man or what we know about our ancestors. So they went with sort of a ape-like appearance for him. That makes that totally tracks. I don't like the teeth in particular just look kind of goofy. Yeah, it's a little much, but but there are some shots like there's one towards the end when he transforms back into Hyde where it looks more like create like his skin looks saggy in the shot. And it looks and it's like a close up on him. Uh, and that's effectively creepy right there. Like it looks scarier than the other shots for some reason. But and while some of the transformation scenes later on are pretty good for the time, I think they're a little better than the Wolfman. Yeah. How many years apart are they? Like 10 or not? Yeah. Five? Yeah. And this is like, 
Yeah, I think almost exactly 10 years. This is like 10 years before The Wolfman, which is funny. That oh, before. This, this is, okay. yeah, 10 years no, before. Well. So this movie, I think, did a cooler job with it. And there's one scene in particular, I think it's the first time he shifts, where he's like looking in the mirror and he's like shaking. And I swear, without any of those like sort of... um those transitions where like, you know that they're taking a shot, putting on more makeup, doing another shot. And then they're just sort of weaving them together. I swear his like face got darker and his eyebrow, like, I don't know if it was just in my mind, if it was something that they did, but it looked like there were no like cuts and going back to it. Yeah. They did it in real time. How? That's the thing. So the director, apparently I was reading a thing online where he like, he spent years and never truly revealed what that special effect like magic was. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. But apparently they did a thing with um, filters, different light filters. And it's, and the makeup on his face was all these different, wildly different colors, Uh, but in black and white, you know, it all looks just a certain way. So really it was, they just kept flipping filters on the camera lens and it made everything appear as if it was appearing on his face. That's so cool. Cause I was like, this is kind of subtle because he doesn't go into full transformation during that, but you can see these shifts in his face where things are getting darker and stuff. Yes. He was was already wearing a bunch of makeup and then they just started flipping the, uh, uh, the, the lens filters That's to cool. make it appear as if it was appearing on his face. So, and then there's these really cool, like almost like split screen transitions where it's sort of like an iris or I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with all the transition things from some wipes and some, yeah, irises. Yeah, some yeah. like wipes and like, they look so cool. Cause sometimes like they're going and they'll stop and you'll see the two different scenes sometimes with the two women. And I love that with like Muriel and champagne Ivy, like just to see the juxtaposition between the two of them. And I loved Ivy so much more. She was so much more exciting. Yeah, she's such an interesting (laughs) character. Oh, my God. Yes, she is so good. And yeah, it is just, it was, I I was really shocked that I liked it as much as I did. I I do love to the, I know it's used all the time as like a stereotypical old horror movie thing. But uh, the fact that it opens with Toccata and Fugue, you know, the Bach piece, the Mm. and that's like, Uh that's the opening theme of this movie where you're like, wow, uh, I know that's used again as a stereotype in pop culture for horror movies like music, but I'm like, how many movies can I name actually use that in it? This is like one of the only ones I can think of and like what a cool. (laughs) And on that note, this is another one of those movies where it's so early on, like the, um, Bella Lugosi, Dracula, yeah. right? Where yep. there's no, there is music in it, but the only music in it is Jesus-y yeah. or whatever you call it. There's a word. Oh. Um, uh, when it's actually in the world of the movie. Yeah, uh, uh, diegesis. I was like, I feel like Jesus Jesus-y. is a part of. Yep, it's, <laughs> yep, it's di- diegetic music is in there. Yep. <laughs> and like, cause there, she does a whole song, like she sings a song. So you know that they know how to put music in there and stuff. Yep. But like throughout the whole thing, there's very no little score. Yeah, no just, score. Just that opening and the end credits and then it's done. Which I found a little boring in Dracula. Like I just found, I was like, this needs music. But mm-hmm. here I didn't mind it as much. Yeah. Because this has, you know, there's stuff happening. People are talking, things are going on. So like, I didn't even realize it until the end of the movie when the credits played and the music came back. I was like, oh yeah, this movie had no like score, no traditional score in it. So that's fascinating. 
It is. And yeah, it's just, it's real good. So if y'all haven't seen it, I recommend it because um, I was I was shocked. Yeah, I feel I like, see, what I've kind of been doing is feeling you out on old movies. Yeah. I was kind of softballing you yeah. uh, with the easy stuff. Uh, and now I'm getting the more challenging ones because it looks like you respond well to those. So I do have some more like old movies that are you know, like this, they're a little more challenging, a little weirder, a little different than what was going on, you know, with their contemporaries. I also went into this open when you announced you were giving me another older movie. I didn't scoff or sigh or yeah, groan. I loved it because I've, I mean, I've learned you've taught me that I just seem to have an open mind, you know, they're not all going to be winners and it has nothing to do because, and I don't think because it's older, it's not good. I just, it isn't what I'm drawn to naturally, but that's yeah. sort of what this podcast is all about truly. it is and it's like i feel like truly we've changed each other's tastes on certain yeah, things and expanded for sure yeah uh, this movie too a couple of quick notes uh that i thought were interesting was so this one's paramount made this movie uh it came out you'll see the year sometimes listed as 1931 and sometimes as 1932 and that's because it premiered on new year's eve of 1931 so, but it didn't get like wow. a wide release until okay. the next year. Um, and they made it, Paramount made it to compete against Dracula and Frankenstein, which had come out earlier in the year before this. And they're like, look what Universal's doing. Let's grab a classic, you know, scary story and we're going to do it ourselves. Uh, and from what I've read online, this contempor contemporary reports, this was a bigger hit than those were. Like this was a huge movie. It was, it won an Oscar. Or two, I think, from back then or whatever. I don't know if it was the Oscars, but whatever Academy Awards thing was going on, this was nominated. Um, Frederick March was apparently known as a comedic actor before doing this. And this was his like, it, you know, gives me similar vibes to, say, Michael Keaton, who was a comedian and then became Batman. And then that radically changed his career. It's one of those kind of things where it's like, oh, I'm not just a comedian. I can do all kinds of stuff. And it changed his trajectory. Um, and it was almost a lost movie. How? Because in, again, like I said, there's another version like 10 years on from this movie in the forties, they did another version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with Spencer Tracy in the lead. Um, but that was done at MGM, but part of it was MGM bought out all the underlying rights to past versions. So they bought this movie from Paramount, uh, and they pulled it from circulation. Oh, wow. uh, to like not compete with their, you know, new version that was coming out. And most of those copies were destroyed. So this was thought to be a lost film for quite a while until somebody wow. found it again in like the fifties or sixties, something like that, a, a complete copy. So. And have you read Mary Riley? Mm -mm. Do you know what that is? No. Oh, it was written in the nineties. I want to say, cause I had a British literature class in high school mm -hmm. and we read it. And it's about he it's almost like the um whoever that his butler is, it's almost as if he has a maid mm. instead. And her mm -hmm. name is Mary Riley. And it's all told from her perspective with the the Jekyll and Hyde story from like the oh, maid wow. who sort of is in love with him, if uh -huh. I remember correctly. And just sort of like her observing what's going on and she becomes a little integrated into the story. Cool. And then there's a movie with Julia Roberts that was awful. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, but as soon as you said Julia Roberts in a Jekyll and Hyde hey. story, well, okay, not, yeah. nothing at all. Apologies to Julia Roberts, but that just doesn't sound <laughs> like a good combo. It doesn't sound like her wheelhouse. So, 
No, no. Uh, but it was really good. Have you read the book of Jekyll and Hyde? That I have as a uh, as a young boy, as a youth. I, if in fact, if I remember correctly, my, I made my mom read it to me uh, oh, as a kid in our cute. bedtime reading times because I had a period where I got really into the classics, especially okay. the, the monster stories. So, yeah, I remember reading that one. Cool. Yeah. Well, nice. I mm-hmm. I. I don't know that I had the desire to read it, but I was thinking you probably had. Is it short? Is it like a novella? Yeah, I, I, if I remember correctly, it's more like a novella. Like H.G. Okay. Wells is The Invisible Man, which is also like real short. Like they're pretty short and sweet stories. Okay. okay. Easy to get through. Nice. Mm-hmm. So out of, unless you have anything else to add. I don't. Out of five smoking monster elixirs which i love that scene of him where he does the like bottoms up you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> cheers before he drinks it uh i have a gif of that i send to people sometimes but um how many monster beverages monster elixirs do you give it i'm gonna give it four and a half monster Whoa! elixirs oh man i can't be outdone Four and a half as well. I'm going to bump it up. <laughs> you were going to say four. I was going to give it a four this time, but no, I four just, and a half. It's, it spoke to me on lots of, on like, you know, addiction levels and stuff. And that always gets me if done well. So, and, you know, and just the technicality of it too. It's uh, just like, yeah, this thing is different than like, it's markedly different from watching the universal movies of the same time period. Like those were a little safer and more traditional like cinema wise as to what they were doing with the film. This thing was like trying to push the envelope technically and acting wise and everything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Well, there is one very big solid. Scare of approval. Scare of approval. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Four and a half baby. All right. So let's move on to my contemporary choice. Siak. Sick! Directed by John Hyams and written by Kevin Williamson. Sick is a 2023 release, and the tagline is, you're not safe inside. And the letterboxed description is, in the midst of the pandemic, college student Parker and her best friend, Miri, decide to self-quarantine at her family's lake house, where they will be alone, or so they think. Ellipsy. Yeah. So running at a brisk 83 minutes, although when it's all said and done, I think it's under 80 minutes. Yeah. What did you think? Somebody said it was only 70 something minutes if you take out the credits. And I was like, yeah, it was. That was like a breakneck pace. Um, This was super cool. Like, I see some people have some issue. I think people are still sorting through the whole, like, things that very blatantly deal with COVID in the times Mm -hmm. we just lived through. But I'm like, I'm here for it. Because I think it's weird that... We've got a lot of new media coming out that just doesn't even address it. And it's like, that was a history altering thing we lived through. Uh, and it's as if certain like, you know, movies and pop culture that's coming out is just trying to pretend, ignore it and pretend it didn't happen. So no, I want to see more stuff that's going to deal with like, yeah, remember that crazy time when you couldn't get toilet paper? Like, I want to see something, you know, dealing with that in an interesting way. And This did it. I can go, I can, I can see that side, but I guess I, it's not like I don't want to be reminded of it because we're still in it, yeah. but 
I don't mind when something is done and I, there's no sign of it. I, I think I appreciate maybe more when it's just a reality. Like some people are wearing masks and it doesn't have to be talked to, like spoke of and things yeah. like that. But here it definitely is a whole plot point and like the whole purpose of the movie. So you got to go there. Also, enough time has passed that some of that is, it's not like, oh my God, we're in it. We don't need to see it. It's more like, okay, well that we're beyond the extremes as we were in April, 2020 yes. so to go back to people wiping down their groceries and, and everything like that. And the toilet paper being gone. Like those are things that I feel far enough past that I can watch them being dealt with in yeah. a, like a narrative manner. And, and this, this movie, this is a story that feels like it did it well enough, like not in a totally ham fisted sort of way. So I'm like, okay, I can go there. I, I'm in and, the world. Yeah. I'm plugged in and far enough. Like if this would have come out, uh, like the very uh, like you know January thirteenth, twenty twenty one. I don't know that I would have been here for it. Yeah, I exactly. Been like, okay, like there, it's just something about the timing worked out. Yeah, and uh, all applause, congratulations, Kevin Williamson. You've done it again. Is what I was thinking. You know, this entire <laughs> movie because it's like it feels like a back to basic slasher, which I love to see once in a while. Just a simple cat and mouse. Uh, anybody can die at any time sort of story. Uh, but when everything's revealed too, it's still some fun spins, like not your typical, you know, you, you're not necessarily expecting where it's going to go, what the motivations are going to be. But when they get there, you're like, cool, that works. I like this. This is a fresh take on a uh, tried and true formula. Yeah. And we'll definitely have to get there eventually. So if you don't want spoilers, stick around for a little bit and then I'll, I'll tell you when they're going to happen. Uh, and yes. I will say I wasn't a stickler. Like I didn't sit down and, you know, review all the rules, but he mostly followed the rules set forth in scream. So uh, props to him. Like what? Like, uh, you know, the, the, well, mild spoilers. When the killer, you think he's dead, it's always going to jump up one more time. There's always one more scene. Like it felt like okay, it's it feels like uh, they're following you know the Got very it. the same narrative stuff he talked about, made fun mm -hmm. of in a meta way in the original screen. So I'm like, that's so cool. And I love there is, I mean, it, aside from sort of having a similar vibe of Scream, like that typical slasher, like when she, there's a part where a characters on the computer typing "help killer in house," and that was deleted from the movie scream like she goes on her computer but uh -huh. i think in like the trailer she says like killer in house uh -huh. and like that got removed in like the actual film oh. but i liked that it sort of was put back in here that's yeah yeah and, and like, this movie just got me so excited for the next scream movie because uh, i'm just like yes yeah. cool because this was like an appetizer to scream yes. six so awesome and it's so perfect it came out on Friday the 13th, and I don't want to totally get into that until the spoiler section, but I mm -hmm. I mean, there's the nod where like they say, like, oh, it could be Jason, and she's like, it can't be. It's Saturday the 4th, and I just <laughs> love that because I watched it on Friday the 13th oh, the nice. first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's always great to see, um, you know, Jane Addams, love her. I still haven't seen, and I don't think you have either. Have you seen the movie She Dies Tomorrow? No. I'm so curious by it. It sounds so fascinating, but I just, mm -hmm. she is so good. She's so unusual and so, so great. I love her. Mm -hmm. And then Dylan Sprayberry is super hot. He plays DJ. I think Gideon Adlin, who plays Parker, the main girl, is sort of feels like a bargain bin Thaisa Farmiga. Mm -hmm. 
Like she's definitely, it's like Thaisa Farmiga's like outgrown the college girl a little bit. Yeah. And she so probably they, could still do it effectively, but yeah. But yeah. So, but there's some really great kills. I think once it gets going, which is not too far into it, it yeah. like just doesn't stop. Yeah. Really, it's like you get past the cold open, which is amusing. Uh, and you're like, what's this going to be all about? Where are we going here? Uh, and then from there, yeah, it builds just a little bit. And then you're just, boom, you're in it. You're fully in it. And it just goes. And I love that. It is also interesting to see the Miramax logo after so long, sort of it not being around. But then it's like, we're revamping Miramax without the Weinsteins. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's weird to see the Miramax logo. Yes, exactly. Yeah, They've lived on past the Weinsteins and they're trying to do their own. As Forge their own should. path now. Yes, exactly. Yeah, as we so let's should. move past those a-holes. Yes. All right. So let's talk spoilery. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, go away. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you did you see the name of the the characters of the mom and the dad? No, I didn't. Jason and Pamela. Oh, of course. <laughs> Which is funny because the one girl says it could be Jason at the door. And, and it, it might have been. It might have been. It very well could have been. <laughs> but it definitely, like, I think, see, I think the end and the sort of reveal. So if you're not going to watch this movie and you don't care about the spoilers. So these kids go away to this house. They're there on quarantine. And then a, a killer shows up and starts trying to kill them. Lo and behold, it's not one killer. It's really three because one of the girls had gone to a party. And it wasn't like a let's all get COVID party, right? No. It It was just like, we're on like break, you know, quarantine sucks. Let's have a party. And she kissed this guy. Yep. At the party. But lo and behold, she had COVID. She was just, what is that term called when you don't have symptoms? Asymptomatic. Thank you. Asymptomatic. So she got this one boy like sick and he ended up dying so it's his family that is essentially killing her and anyone who's in the way of her and anyone that was at that party it sounded yes, like, like it teaching seemed her like... a lesson which yep. to me when initially it hit i was sort of like okay it's a little heavy handed, a little over the top but then i actually was like oh it's friday the 13th right now i actually didn't know the parents names at the time but yep. i was like oh it rings kind of like friday the 13th kind of like a mrs yes. Voorhees, a pamela Voorhees, sort of saying like you killed my son and therefore that's why i'm killing you yeah and i was like yeah. oh i i'm i'm down for that yep yeah it worked it was effective I, as much as like i see so many people online that are like i just roll my eyes at that and it's like it's because we have too many feelings still tied up into this uh era we just lived through but like no i thought it was effective i think it all works narratively and it's uh it all fits yeah and i so the the main girl parker's best friend muri who's with them a again spoiler spoiler spoilers i love that she lives i love that she doesn't get killed and as much as she was very um persistent on we have to be safe and careful i don't want to get sick because my dad is um you know very sense oh my god why another word's coming to me like sensitive yeah um, there's a he's, word for that. He's, he's immunocompromised, you know. Thank like, you. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. You're here so you can speak for me, Jeremy. Yes, that's, <laughs> I, I will be your mouthpiece. Because he is compromised, she's very, like, s- stringent on all the rules and things. But I love that at the end, even after finding out that her best friend had COVID, by now she's probably past it. But back then we didn't know how quickly it was you were not contagious. She mm-hmm. probably isn't contagious anymore. But still, at the very end, they hold hands and stuff. Like I thought for sure it was an end with 
with Miri coughing or something. Like I uh-huh. thought it's going to have some sort of a downer ending. Like it continues and will they be okay? But <laughs> I love that the two girls lived. I love that Jane Adams ran out in a flame of glory, literally. <laughs> it was just such a cool look. It looked no. so cool. Yeah, and then just... <laughs> and then just down. And just I was just down. like... I love yeah. that this movie's like 80 minutes and just fun. Yeah, tight, cool, uh, fast-paced. I was in it. There's even a there's a lake-based chase and you know attack sequence straight out of a Friday the 13th, like straight out of one of the classic <laughs> Friday the 13th. So like, yeah, this this is a fun riff on the Friday the 13th formula. Yeah. And I mean there I, I had heard about this movie forever ago, but there was just no word on when it was coming out. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, Friday the 13th. I feel like someone was like, oh my God, you guys, it's Friday the 13th. Our movie has all these references. We got to put it out next yeah, week. We, we got to get it out there. <laughs> get it on Peacock right now. We can't get it in theaters, but we can get it on Peacock because it literally came out of nowhere like a week mm-hmm. before it hit, which I'm sure there probably were talks about it happening. Mm-hmm. But I just, I thought it was really slick how they did that yeah didn't it do some uh uh film festival like screenings i think last year and i think it was in some film fests because i had heard like early chatter that it was very good like that's the the early stuff i heard was people were enjoying it and then it just like went radio silence and i was like is that movie ever gonna come out and then it Mm -hmm. just suddenly was out on peacock so there she was yep it just happened so but yeah, it was uh, it was a good time, and I was here for it. The cold open, like you talked about, I could have done with it being a little... Like, it was great and fun, and I liked how he was fighting back. But uh-huh. then I thought it was... I didn't love how it ended. Mm-hmm. I could have gone for it being a little longer, a little more in-depth, something a little crazier. Mm-hmm. But, um, but up until that moment, I thought it was fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. You know, and I feel like he could still... Like, look what Scream did. Like, the first Scream feels like it could have just been a self-contained story, of course, uh, but they built a whole franchise out of it. So like sick could become the next franchise. Like the next movie is like, Oh, by the way, it's now his brother's family is pissed that she killed them. And now they're coming, you know, who knows? You could do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. You sh- really, really can. And I'll be curious to see, I haven't heard how it did. I don't know if that's a thing. Like how does it do on Peacock? I, I don't know yeah. if it's like Netflix, but I may look into that. So yeah, to to see. Uh, so all right. Well, I was gonna do a rating, but it's sort of spoilery, so I don't think I can do that one. Oh, okay. Uh, um, although at this point, most people have stuck around long enough and heard all my spoilers. I'm just gonna do it. Okay. Out of five chloroformed face masks, how many do you give? Siak. This is a solid four. A solid four. Solid I'm going four. three and a half. I thought it was great. I just, I could have gone with a little more. I didn't love the characters. I didn't even talk about that, but I didn't love the characters. And that would have probably made me give a four. But I'm going three and a half, but still a solid. Scare of approval. Scare of approval. That's a, a double, double barreled scare of approval for you. Yeah, double fisted. Loaded up, locked and loaded. Yeah. Well, fun. That was a good. Time as always, Jeremy. You know, and both of them too are kind of like, uh, you know, science, sciencey sort of based body illnesses, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. one's got COVID, a very real thing, and the other one has the the sickness of 
transforming into a beast man, but <laughs> they almost kind of tie together. We've haven't do. done that. We haven't done that in a long time. I know. I feel. It's a, it feels like the whole extra effort aside from watching the movies is yeah. finding a link. <laughs> like uh, find the link. But yeah, I, I kind of thought that as I wrapped both of these up, I was like, oh, these could fit nicely together. So I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Please come back, check us out, scaring and write us, scaring and sharing at gmail.com. Hit us up, tell us whatever you want. We're here for it. And yeah. follow us on Instagram, scaring and sharing. Yeah. Yeah. You can message us on there too. Yeah. We'll we'll write you. We'll talk to you. We'll talk about you. We'll read yeah. what you sent us. <laughs> we will. We will. And you know, as I say in uh recovery programs, keep coming back. Okay. Yeah. 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 And remember. To hail Paymon. And keep watching the skies. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.